What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I'm joined alongside Can You Smell What the Brock is Cooking? Brock Davis, how are you doing? <laughs> like that intro right there? Gonna, I'm going to try to switch it up a little bit every time for you. Oh, yeah, that's creative. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm excited. Awesome. How are you doing today? Everything going good? Yeah, Chilling? I'm stoked. I'm glad that uh, we've gotten really good responses on the Instagram, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we're over 200 followers in just four days. Like I said in the story today, and uh, you know the other day we only had 90 views on our story, but on the Trevor Bauer poll, but yet over 60 people voted. So high interaction with the fans that have followed us so far, and so I'm excited to see where we can take this and get fan interaction to a whole new level. Yeah, no, I'm I'm liking the Instagram a lot. You're doing a great job doing all of that stuff on there and that's another place where you can go follow us if you have not yet go give us a follow on instagram real quick we're gonna kind of be switching it up a little bit i guess on there you know we're gonna ask some questions on there gonna do some polls just trying to hit a different you know a different uh different amount of people through instagram and seeing what we can do there but guys we have an extremely fun show uh planned for you guys today and before we go any further I just want to say thank you for those of you who listen to this podcast, support us on a daily basis, follow us on everything, give us the opportunity to expand like we are doing right now. It's been fantastic. If you like what we're doing here, go on to any of the places where you listen to our podcast and give us a five-star review, send us a little comment. I love reading them, I'm not going to lie. And also, if you like what we have going on here and you know you want to, tell a friend, You know, expand it. We're doing, like I said, a lot of fun stuff here. we got a website coming up and I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of Angels fans in general like what we're doing. So if you do, go do that for us. Be fantastic. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or just want to join us for a Talking Fan segment, you can message myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. You can message Brock at B-D-R-O-X-8. Or you can email us at TalkingHalos at gmail.com. If you don't have a Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter, like I said, at TalkingHalos. On Instagram at talking underscore halos, and you can also follow us on Facebook at talking halos. I mean, if you just Google talking halos, you'll probably find us everywhere. So, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of expanding going on. And give us a quick second to get to this, I guess, commercial break. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire, home of talking halos. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. All right, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this rolling and talk some baseball and unfortunately just a little bit of sad news to report this week we lost another great Tommy Lasorda died at the age of 93 two-time World Series winner I know this is an Angels podcast but 
as always, tip the cap to Tommy Lasorda for what he did for SoCal baseball in general. When you think about the Dodgers, you know, you think of so many great players and managers, and Tommy Lasorda is that one of those guys that you think of right away. And, you know, it's a it's just such a sad week, sad day in baseball history when you lose a great like that. Probably, I mean, one of the best managers of all time. And, I mean, you look at some of the greats that he was able to coach. And, like I said, two-time World Series winner. He won a gold medal for the Olympics in 2000. You know, had over 1,500 wins in his career. And, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to his family, friends, relatives right now during this difficult time that we're going through as well. So, just want to give that a little, you know, tip of the cap to Tommy Lasorda. I know it's Dodgers news, but when it comes to this type of thing, I... Like I said, I just want to tip the cap. Do you have anything that you can, you know, remember about Tommy Lasorda? I know that's kind of out of our era, but I posted a video that I really liked of Tommy Lasorda when he was getting chased around, or he was actually chasing around the Philly Fanatics. So I don't know. I mean, is there anything that you can kind of think of, Brock? I know yeah, we're the youngsters I, I here. I actually have a few things. Yeah. Uh, first one is I was at a spring training game for the Dodgers at Camelback Ranch in Arizona, and I actually ran into him near the top fan box and talked to him for a few minutes and he was super nice kind of ex exactly what you would expect from the kind of passionate you know aggressive type of character that he you know showed on the field and uh he was he was super cool and as far as a memory goes you know with highlights and everything i believe he was the manager of the 88 dodgers that won the world series when he blew everybody away by putting in kurt gibson when he had an obvious injury and everybody was thinking he was an idiot for doing that. And then Gibson hits a jack. And so that one is one that kind of sticks out to me. And uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, back to Tommy, Tommy Lasorda. I said, I mean, you just, when you think of, when you think of Dodger baseball, like I said, I mean, you think of, you know, the greats, Sandy Koufax, Jackie Robinson, and Kershaw. And, I mean, there's so many more, but I mean, you can't, leave out Tommy Lasorda in that mix of Dodger greats and like I said just thoughts and prayers to his family and friends and loved ones right now as like everybody's going through a difficult time but you know losing a loved one like that is not easy anything like that so just you know I wanted to tip you know throw a little tip of the cap there Dodger Nation today for that and you know just keep moving forward let's keep trucking forward no it's difficult but we will make it there Promise, baseball season's right around the corner. Speaking of baseball, let's get on to something a little bit more, you know, happy, I guess in a sense. Big trade this week, Brock. Big trade went down this week, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big trade. And the trade that I'm talking about, I'm sure everybody's heard about. And again, I guess kind of Angel-related in a sense, not really. But, you know, the Angels, like, I guess in a sense, lost out on a starting pitcher, which is, you know, it is what it is if you thought the Angels might, you know, go after... Carlos Carrasco, that mean that's obviously not going to happen anymore. And trade was, you know, kind of an interesting trade. I think it was fairly, fairly fair between the Cleveland Indians, Cleveland baseball team, and the New York Mets, who the Mets are going to be kind of fun this year. I mean, they have a one-year gap to win the World Series, and they're really, you know, kind of going all in on trying to win the World Series this year. But, you know, the Mets are going to be kind of a lot of fun. And if you did not 
you know, see what the trade was. It was Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the Mets for Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and two minor leaguers and Josh Wolf and 2020, I believe, second round pick out of Southern California, Isaiah Green. So, Brock, initial thoughts on this trade? Anything in particular? Like I said, no, it's not really Angels news, but it's news in general, and it's a big trade. So, yeah, you know, I had I had briefly talked about it on the just the story on our Instagram about you know big win for the Mets. I think I think it puts them in a in a way better position to make a playoff push than before. Um, you know, Lindor is a a great shortstop. I think he might be a tiny bit overrated in comparison to other shortstops in the game. Uh, but as far as I understand, I think he only has one year left on the deal, and it makes me kind of curious whether or not, excuse me, they're going to sign him to a long term after this season or not. I I think it's in their in their realm. I think it's possible for them to do so. As far as how it affects us, and kind of my take on it was, I put on the story something about it would maybe restrict the Mets from going after Bauer, and you know if that's the case, then it might close off a little bit of the competition for us which would be beneficial i believe they only have 24 million approximately left over and in, in spending money before they hit the threshold and obviously the threshold is an end-all be-all they can go over that and so you know that's why you can't completely count them out but it's you know it's definitely something to consider that you know obviously we have more money before we hit our threshold than they do and so that might be something that can push us over the edge to get Bauer the money he needs in comparison to the Mets so we'll just have to see how that kind of plays out yeah you know and you said it perfect I mean don't count out the Mets at all I mean we came into this knowing that they were going to spend a lot of money this offseason where some teams may not have the money to spend and you know I kind of want to feature the Indians in this because I said it you know once or twice and I think the Indians might have won this trade like I think they got better from this trade. I think not only did they win this trade, they, I definitely think they won this trade. You know, you got out what you needed to of Francisco Lindor, fantastic. He's going to go on and try to win a World Series with the Mets and wherever he goes in free agency. And, you know, you got Carlos Carrasco out of the way in a sense. And you can put Cal Quintrell in your rotation now, which is kind of a really fun piece. And I think he can be as good or better than Carrasco would have been for you next year. So I think you're kind of getting better on the starting pitching half on that part. And I think that people are saying, oh, I know you lost Carrasco, blah, blah, blah. Hold on, because I think that you got better in the starting pitching range. I really think you did. And I don't think that this means the Indians are just kind of conceding in at all either, because, I mean, you got two really good position players up the middle as well in Ahmed Rosario, who's put up a three war in the past two years, which isn't anything to bat an eye about. And then a former top 100 prospect, in Andres Jimenez, who's again really, really good and really interesting, and you know you you have your mainstays up the middle, and I think in the outfield as well, because I want to say Rosario plays a little bit of the outfield too, and it's it's kind of interesting there for the for the Cleveland baseball team or whatever we're gonna call them. So you know I don't count out the Indians yet, even though they are selling, they still have one of if not the best pitchers in the league. They still have a fairly potent offense as well and yeah you know I mean Jose Ramirez one of the best third basemen in baseball so I mean like I said don't count out the Indians quite quite yet and on to some other news when it comes to it and again more pitching news along with Carrasco I'm gonna butcher the name I really am Tomoyuki Sugano ended up not signing with any 
major league teams, which is a huge blow. I think it's one of the blows that you know baseball was not yeah baseball was waiting for. Uh, I, they were hoping that he was going to sign, of course, with a major league team, and I think that would have opened up the markets a little bit. But yeah, he decided to go back to Japan. I mean, we probably don't aren't going to really know too much into the details of who was really in on it. I think, you know, the normal teams that were looking for starting pitching, Toronto, the Angels, you know, probably some surprise teams in there, the Mets, the Red Sox, and such like that. So, you know, another starting pitcher, I guess, in a sense, kind of goes off the market there. And like I said, we're not going to really know the details at all, but you have any thoughts on this one, Brock? Uh, to be honest, no, I don't. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, like I said, I, I, there's not going to be too many details going out there, and you know, we really, you really don't know what kind of pitcher he would have been in the major leagues. You know, at the end of the day, you know, he could have been, you know, a really good pitcher, or he could have been a huge bust in a sense. You know, like you say, Kikuchi. I mean, it's it's a complete up in the air throw. I, I like I said, it's it's it is news, but you know, it's one of those ones that I think it's going to again break open the seal to maybe some more moves being made, you know, whether that's Bauer or whether that's some lower end pitching and Odorizzi, Paxton, you know, those type of guys. So let's keep our eyes open for any moves, you know, coming in the next week or so, because I think that this is a fairly big week and we've seen a lot of, you know, big news happen. And speaking of, I guess, more big news earlier in the week, Ken Rosenthal came out and reported that the Angels we're interested in Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras. And I'll give my thoughts about this first. If you're going to go get Wilson Contreras, and this is a strictly Artie Moreno move, 110%, you know, go out and get a good bat that's going to sell tickets, put people in the seats, you know, you have to go and get something else along the lines of Contreras, whether that's trying to get rid of the Upton contract and picking up Hayward as well, which is super interesting and maybe paying a little bit less for Contreras or, you know, it's, it's, I just, it's hard for me to fathom why you just go after Wilson Contreras. I mean, Brock, can you in, maybe enlighten me a little bit why you think the Angels might like to go after? I mean, Wilson Contreras is a really good catcher, really good player, top 10 catcher in baseball, top, you know, maybe even top five when you're looking at it. But I mean, this isn't really a hole that the Angels need to fill and it kind of, I think, would have depleted the farm system a little bit if this trade gets made so you know Brock thoughts on this am I wrong am I right yeah I mean I don't see why they would target him specifically on his own the only reason I could see it happening is if there was a package for Hendricks like you had mentioned before on Mm -hmm. your Twitter I've always liked Hendricks I would have honestly kind of preferred to get Hendricks in a trade than Darvish so if it's something that it you know includes a Darvish or sorry not Darvish a Hendricks and Contreras package, then I could see that fitting into what we want. But like you said, we don't really have a hole at catcher. I'm happy with Stassi right now. I know that he's potentially going to be injured at the beginning of the year. But with that being said, you know when he comes back, I think that he's someone that we can lean on. And until then, I just Contreras is a horrible defensive catcher. He would definitely be good offensively, but defensively it kind of scares me. And uh, so that's that's kind of where I stand on it. The only way I could really see liking that deal is if we get Hendricks, but I would rather just try to trade for Hendricks and leave Contreras out of the package, to be honest. Yeah, I agree, because if you're getting both Contreras and Hendricks, it's, you're giving up a lot, a lot, a lot, and it's for something that I don't think is really worth it. I mean... 
Kyle Hendricks is a very good pitcher, and Wilson Contreras is a very good catcher. But again, you're going to probably give up Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele or somebody big in that package or three to five decent prospects as well, you know, in the Chris Rodriguez, Jordan Adams type of range. And I just don't think that that is what you're looking for right now, especially in Kyle Hendricks, who are, I mean, if you, if you match up Kyle Hendricks, can, I mean, can you really even match up Kyle Hendricks against some of the best pitchers in baseball? I mean, Kyle Hendricks or Blake Snell, you know, Kyle Hendricks or, you know, some of the other guys that have been, you know, traded away this offseason, Kyle Hendricks or you Darvish, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I, I don't think I would want to see Kyle Hendricks on game one of a playoff series. I really, I couldn't see that. Game two, game three, 100%. You know, but throwing Kyle Hendricks out there in game one is a huge question mark for me. And I, I just can't, I can't see that happening. I wouldn't give up the bigger pieces like that or the amount of pieces that the Cubs would want for those two guys. So, you know, just my thoughts on that. If, you, if you're going to go, you know, trade away Adele or Marsh, you need to go get an ace. You need to get a guy that's going to, that's going to pitch game one of the playoffs for you, who's going to be there for you the entire entire season, and you can rely on him. So, And I just don't think that, I mean, yes, you can rely on Kyle Hendricks, but I don't think he's the guy you can rely on at all. So just my thoughts on that. you have any, any kind of final thoughts on the Contreras thing, or if you even think it's really going to go through? No, I, I don't think it's going to go through. I, I do think that Hendricks is a little bit underrated. I'm not saying he's he would be our ace or should be our ace, but kind of just going along the lines of, you know, if there's Contreras talks, I think the only reason that would make sense is if we got a pitcher in that mix, and now that Darvish is gone, then obviously Hendricks is really the only other one that would even be questioned. And so for me, I, I, I still like Kyle Hendricks, I don't think he's projected to do as well as you Darvish, but um, I think he would still be in kind of the realm of other people, other pitchers that guys have wanted like Paxton and so forth. So for me, I, I like him. I think he's underrated. I just think that I don't, I don't think we need Contreras to be honest. Yeah, no, cannot agree with you. And before I just want to kind of rattle off some or, uh, some Kyle Hendricks stats for you. Good pitcher, don't get me wrong. In 2019, he was 11 and 10 in 177 innings. He had a 3.46 ERA, 3.61 FIP, compiled a 4.1 F WAR. Nothing to bat an eye about, 100%. You know, and even in 2026 and five and 12 starts, uh, 2.88 ERA, 3.55 FIP, a 1.9 war like i said nothing at all to bat an eye about but that's just not a guy in my opinion you know even with three years left on the contract that you even can give up marsh or adele for and i it's it just for me you know if you can go get kyle hendricks and not give up either one of those guys you know 100 percent do it and if it's just how yeah. kyle hendricks do it you know I'm, I'm, i mean I'm that's kind of where i sit too i don't really want to give up marsh or adele but just for some perspective uh, Musgrove is a name that all of us have brought up and they're projected for the same war next next season. Mm -hmm. Paxton is a name that's been consistently brought up and they have the same war for this next season. Odorizzi has 0.3 less war projected than Hendricks does this next season. And Sonny Gray is another name that keeps getting brought up and he has the same exact war projection as Kyle Hendricks this offseason. So there's a lot of guys that we've brought up that are around that same ballpark. Mm -hmm. Um, but we'll kind of get into that once we talk about the the poll that I put up. 
yeah, let's actually let's jump right into that. And I, I'll ask. I'll I have a question. Uh, I'll add on to our fan question segment. So jump in right into that. I know you know you've been kind of the strongman on the Instagram posts and all that fun stuff. So I'll let you kind of take it away. Okay. So I I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that everybody that voted actually read it through and understood what the question meant. I know it was kind of difficult being like a yes or no. You can't do like an option one or two. Mm-hmm. So. I believe yes was for uh, Paxton and Odorizzi, and it was both two-year contracts. I think Odorizzi was valued at 14 a year, and Paxton was valued at 13 a year, which was a uh, annual total for each pitcher each year for 27 million. Or I said 27 million for five years for Bauer at the same av- annual uh, valuation, and it was barely, I think, by two votes people voted in favor of the Odorizzi and Paxton. And I had messaged a couple fans about it, or they had opened up to me and kind of opened up a conversation bit about it. And I just think that there's a little piece missing from people's thought process. And obviously if it's your opinion, that's fine. I, you know, I'm not here to change your opinion. I don't, I don't really care. That's, that's fine. You could, you're entitled to your own opinion, but just to make sure that, you know, you're thinking about something that maybe you didn't think about before, Yes, technically, if you go to the projected war and you look at the combination of Odorizzi and Paxson for what they're projected for, they're projected more than what Bauer is going to do alone. However, this goes back to my original argument that in that scenario specifically, Paxton and Odorizzi are signed for two years. Bauer is signed for five. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with, well, do we think Bauer can provide a three-plus war for all five of those seasons? Because I'm confident he can. I'm confident he could even do four to five war for the first two to three, potentially. And then towards the end, you'd be more of like a two to three win pitcher. So with that being said, you're getting the longevity of that performance over that term of that contract. And you're able to build around that for the same annual value as you would getting two pitchers that are going to be gone in two years. Because... Paxton, I think, is towards the tail end. I think he's going to sign a somewhat sign a somewhat short-term deal, and then maybe one-year deals after that or retire. And Odorizzi, he's younger. I think he's going into like his age 31 season, but he's not really evalu- like evaluated to sign a lo- pretty long-term deal. And I think even if he did, it would be still pretty low value. Um, but I don't really see him signing anything longer than a three-year deal, and that's just my opinion. So. My problem with it is is that those type of deals, in my opinion, the two-year short-term deals that you get two guys like that are for teams that already have a pretty solid rotation. So like those signings right there are like a Dodgers move or a Mets move or a team that's already sniffing a potential World Series appearance and or win, and they already have like a solid number one and number two but they need maybe need help in like the three, four, and five spots. And so they go out and sign a Paxton for one or two years at a somewhat cheap value to get that you know, average performance in the bottom of half of that rotation and then be done with them and hope that he can reinforce that top half of the rotation and get them that last little puzzle piece that they needed to win a World Series. Teams like the Angels that don't have a solidified ace right now you don't sign those short-term deals because we're not sniffing a World Series. We're, we're barely, you know, 
with the way that it's been, we've had the talent and we haven't even sniffed the playoffs really. We've been we've missed out every single year. So those types of deals for the mid-level arms short term doesn't really fit what we need to be looking for right now. We need to be getting the Bauer or, you know, Bauer's all, all that there is right now. If there was a better pitcher out there like a DeGrom or a Cole or whatever for the right contract, then that would be my approach. But Bauer still, I think, ranks 16th in projected war this next offseason, and you can't just pass that up for two mid-level arms that are going to basically be rentals. You get the Bauer, you have him for five years at better performance than what either other of those two guys can provide on their own, not combined, on their own, and then depending on you know how much flexibility we have trade-wise uh, and next offseason, then you go out. So now you have a Bauer at number one. Oh, shoot, it's 2022 offseason, and Noah Syndergaard, who's projected to be the seventh-best pitcher in 2021, is now a free agent. Okay, let's go get Syndergaard. And now we got Bauer, Syndergaard, and whoever we've been able to trade for or whatever other options that we have, and now – we can potentially put ourselves in a position where we were sniffing a world series or a world series win. And now we go out and do the one and a half to two and a half win pitchers to short-term deals to reinforce the top one, two, three of our rotation to get us that extra little push that we need. So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of been a pattern for every winning team in every off season or not off season, uh, every postseason that you see, that's pretty much how the rotation's built. You got the solid guys up front, and you got rentals in the back, and those rentals are going to be gone within a year because those were there to help them get that extra push. So any winning team that you see in the World Series is pretty much the rotation's going to be built like that. And so that's what I'm basing my opinion off of. Is you know I, one of my favorite saying is the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, and Paxson and Odorizzi are not two pitchers that are going to get us to World Series and win. And there's if that's not the purpose, either this season or next offseason, if we don't think those two can accomplish that for us, then why are we even going to try to go for it? Yeah, I, I see your point. Rebuttal real quick on this because it's always fun to rebuttal on stuff. Give me your starting six pitchers with Bauer in the rotation. Currently? Yes, current your starting six pitchers with I just wrote them down. I'm just kind of I'm kind of throwing you in the fire here a little bit, and I apologize. And I, I'll talk for a minute here and see if you know give you a couple seconds to kind of get that down because I have I have mine down with Bauer and I have my starting stat my starting six down with both Paxton and Odorizzi. So I give you the chance now. Give me your starting six pitchers in the Angels rotation with Trevor Bauer. Okay, so I would do Bauer obviously number one Bauer of course. You don't have to give me one through six. Don't you don't have to think about that. Just give me six six names, like because uh, I think gotcha. that I think that a rotation a rotation order is kind of yeah. BS. Anyways, it doesn't really mean much. The Angels had um, Ricky Ricky Nolasco as their ace, their number one guy, the opening day starter a couple years ago. Didn't mean much. It, it, it is what it is. So give me your, okay, your so six starters. I'll do Bauer, Bundy, Heaney, Canning. So mm-hmm. that's four. Yep. Otani. Yep. That's five. And the sixth spot, I'd probably go. I know it's tough. It's tough. I like I like a I like a good amount of guys for that sixth spot. Just throw out um, a name, any name. I'd probably go. 
Patrick Sandoval. Okay, I like that. Now give me your... that, to get that lefty in there. Yeah, no. Now give me your starts. Your six starters with out without Bauer with Paxton and Odorizzi. So you got two there, Paxton and Odorizzi. Who are your other four starters? Okay, so Paxton, Odorizzi, correct. Bundy, mm-hmm. Heaney, mm-hmm. Canning, yep. Otani. There's, there's, yep, there's your six right there. So, so basically, my... the only one that leaves out is Sandoval and. I think well, who was the other name that got left out the second time around? No, that's it. That that that's, that's it. That's it. So it was just, just Sandoval. Yes, and that I think is the biggest the the biggest main difference in this whole argument is that you don't have to worry about Sandoval or Berea or Jacob Faria or Jesus Suarez or Jose Suarez starting any games for you, unless there's an injury, of course. There's injuries. I mean, there's always going to be injuries. And See, I'm not would, worried about that though. But would you I, ra- I, I would, would you like rather Sandoval have Sandoval in the rotation? Would you rather have Patrick Sandoval in the rotation the entire time and have you know Trevor Bauer starting, or do you want a, a legitimate you know starting six? No, nothing wrong with Sandoval. I think Sandoval is more valuable in the bullpen. And we saw what Berea did in the bullpen out of that like uh, Felix Pena type of type of role as well, and I thought he did fantastic. And Suarez hasn't you know been able to show he hasn't shown us anything yet. And Faria signed on a minor league deal, so we don't know even know if he's gonna make the team yet. And of course, Chris Rodriguez, Reed Detmers, those type of guys are looming in the distance and all that fun stuff. But you know, for me, when I'm looking at it, that that is what the Angels have kind of been missing. We haven't seen an actual starting rotation from the Angels since when. When was the last time they actually had a starting rotation? And you can remember, like, like you know, in a week from now, oh, yeah, you know, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Canning, Canning, Bundy, o- Otani are going that day, those days. You know, that, that hasn't happened. There hasn't been a consistent role. So, I mean, that's just another point that I'd like to kind of make, and that's why I think that the Angels struggled last year because they did, not that they didn't have a plan, but there wasn't a specific routine in order and in in a sense that's kind of why Shohei Otani messes it up a little bit because there's not really a routine with anybody other than Otani starting on Sundays so you know I I I understand it I get it I just want to bring up that little bit of a point I think that pitchers need a routine they need to know when they're gonna go and you know it could be a little bit on Otani for sure because Otani knows he's going every Sunday and pitchers don't really know when they're going but at the same time you know having an actual starting six with Paxton Odorizzi, Otani, Bundy, Heaney, and Canning, or whoever else you want to throw in there, you can always make a trade in July or whenever the trade deadline is to go get another starter, whether that's Marquez or Luis Castillo, and maybe be able to get them at a discounted price. You know, so I mean, I think, you know, if you're looking at winning this year and also the fact that Bundy and Heaney are free agents next year, and of course you have guys now to replace them, Chris Rodriguez, Reed Detmers. And the list of guys, whether it's Sandoval, Berea, Suarez, whatever you want to put, you know, I think that actually having a starting six like that is vital. I think that, you know, knowing that you have those starting six coming into spring training, knowing that that's probably the role, you know, you're going to be in. And hey, you know, Patrick Sandoval, put him in the bullpen. That's kind of fun. Uh, Jaime Berea, we saw him in the bullpen really good last year. So that's just, you know, a, a sidebar on that. I just want to kind of point that out nothing wrong like i said not going to complain at all if angels go out and sign trevor bauer and that's it you know but again you know having a routine for starting pitchers is huge and i think that's kind of where the angels have lacked in the past yeah so i mean i i definitely see the argument i definitely do but this is my thing 
I have, I have, in, no, in none of these arguments, whether it be for Bauer or you know the Paxton Odorizzi deal or whatever, neither of those, I'm looking to build to win a World Series next year. So I'm, I'm, we this free agency specifically when we only have thirty million left to spend, we don't have that flexibility. We, we don't have the depth, pitching wise. We don't, we just don't have it. This is not the offseason to try to build a, a World Series winning team because I don't think we're there. I'm looking to build and put ourselves in a position in 2022 to make a real World Series push. And I don't think that we can depend on Odorizzi and Paxton in 2022 to give what we want in 2022 that I think Bauer can give us and – I, I don't I definitely don't have an argument against the six man rotation uh, you know that you brought up that's definitely I definitely see your point but the point is is that next off season we literally have as of right now it's looking like we're gonna have 91 million dollars to spend before we even hit the threshold 91 million dollars so the way I see that is we need to solidify the top for 2022 and be able to approach the 22 op- 22 off season in a way where we're building from the top down and have that more financial flexibility to do with what we want. Because like I said, does Bauer get us to the world series this year? Hell no. Does Paxton Odorizzi get us to the world series this year? I really don't think so. I don't think anything that we're going to do with this remaining $30 million that we have is going to get us to the world series. But I do think if we sign Bauer if next offseason we trade for Marquez, we sign a Cindergard, and then we sign a rental, we're in a real position. And then you put yourself in a position where we have a similar rotation than what we just like similar to what we just said with the Paxton and Odorizzi, but significantly better pitchers. Cindergard and Bauer are technically projected for almost double the production that Paxton and Odorizzi are projected to produce. Paxton and Odorizzi are right around the two and a half to two point nine range of projection for WAR for this next offseason, and I guarantee you it's going to go down closer to two in twenty twenty two. Torres Syndergaard's been a projected top ten pitcher for pretty much the last three seasons. Bauer has been up there top thirty for the last pretty much his whole career. So, you know, I I just don't see bypassing better talent it's it's fact statistically that as of right now bauer is significantly better talent than any of these other names that are available and if we have the money for it we should do it and when we have more money we get better talent again and then we build around that but we don't have better talent right now and we don't have enough money right now to really pick and choose because this 30 million is not going to get us a World Series. It's not. We. It's just Paxton Odorizzi. Even with that depth added to the rotation, I just don't. Who's our our number one World Series starters? Paxton or Odorizzi? Like I just. It's kind of the same situation where you said you know you wouldn't really trust Hendricks to be out there. They're in that same exact ballpark with Hendricks, and I wouldn't trust Hendricks to be out there game one of a World Series either. So it's like, I would trust Bauer though. Because I think he just has that that attitude and that passion and that aggressiveness that 
you know, and if the stats back it up like it did last year and, you know, 2018 when he had that great year, then that's what we need. We need that number one in comparison to what we have right now and build that way. And I just, it's, our team right now is just not built for these short-term deals, dude. It's really not. I just, I, I really hope that we don't go that route because we have the prospects that we can trade for a Marquez or someone like that. But if we're, I think that I know it's hard to say, be patient because I'm getting impatient. And I think every angels fan is impatient, but I'm telling you, we're not winning the world series next year. Like it's not going to happen regardless of what we do, unless Artie decides to just completely forget about the threshold and signs Bauer, signs Odorizzi and trades for Marquez and just says, screw the threshold. And then we got a solid rotation like that, then it's a possibility. But if he does what we all suspect him to do, which is pretty much pay right under the threshold, it's just not going to be enough. And we're going to have to wait to next off season. And that is when we can really, really make a difference if we play our cards right right now and if we can get bauer for the exact same value that we can get paxton and Odorizzi at it's to me a no-brainer to have that long-term dependability on bauer to be a top three starter in our rotation for the next four to five years it's just it's a no-brainer to me yeah and you know there's there's so many different thoughts processes and you know I, i'm gonna kind of in a sense kind of quote the you know great movie of Moneyball in a sense you know not exactly but in a sense you know when you look at the free agency and you look at the players that you know can be added and such like that there's a winning team out there somewhere you know that, that can be made you know the right moves have to be made and it's happened before I mean it happens every year a team wins every single year there's one winner 29 losers gonna be 30 when they add or 31 whenever they add on the new teams that they're gonna add in here pretty soon you know completely different case but there is a winning team out there and you know if there was a formula to a winning team you know whoever you know would make that up fan graphs or the tampa bay rays or the astros or nasa whoever you know makes formulas like that if they can find that winning formula to make a winning team every year you know then it you know would happen and it, it hasn't and I think that that's why this argument continues to go on year and year because there's no formula to winning a World Series. It's, you know, a lot of luck. It really is. It's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And you're right. It doesn't happen all in one season. And, you know, Trevor Bauer might be the answer, you know, and or he might not be the answer. We just we just don't know that. And I think it would be easier if we could see into the future, of course. But, yeah, it's, you know... Whether or not you go out and spend the money or whether or not you go out and or whether or not you spend it on one player or multiple players is, you know, I, I just it's it's a difficult thing. It really is. And like I said, are, are you ready for some some fan questions, Brock? You have those up and going because. Yeah, just it's, real quick. I want I have a task for you that I think would be beneficial to the listeners is if it's possible, if you think it's possible to find, I want you to find a rotation that won a World Series, or mm -hmm. not even won a World Series, but got to the World Series if it's too hard to find one that won, mm -hmm. that is closest to being completely built around rentals. So, mm -hmm. like, their top three guys in the rotation are guys that they signed to one two-year deals, and they made it to the World Series. 
because as far as I can remember, I don't remember a single team that didn't have at least one, maybe even two guys that were signed to long-term deals that are solidified starters built into their rotation, and then they got rentals around those guys. So find me a World Series winning team or a World Series attending team that is literally built at least their one through three of rentals. Can I do? Can I kind of do you one better in a sense? Because I have done the research somewhat on this, not really rental wise, but you know, before we get on the fan questions, I have done the research on this type of thing, and you know, the formula in a sense that I've been talking about, and the closest thing I can get to a formula would be that you know, go and look because I I've done the research on it. Go look on fan graphs and look at the World Series winners from. 2000 all the way till now and there are a couple bit of anomalies in this like i believe the nationals had better hitting than they did pitching or better pitching than they did hitting but the main thing that is you know brought about this is that normally the world series winning team during the regular season is the one of if not the best offensive teams according to war and you can go look at that throughout from 2000 up until now. And I don't know, you know, the Dodgers are probably that way as well. They had a very good offense and good pitching. And I want to say it was either the Nationals or the Red Sox the last couple of years that had really good pitching, but, you know, you know, didn't have as good of hitting or had equal hitting or a little bit lesser hitting. But for the most part, when you look at it, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you don't necessarily need, you know, great pitching one after another you need those with those one or two guys that come up really clutch for you and i think that when you get to the playoffs it's a completely different game and i think that's a completely different podcast we can go into about into it about but when you look at regular season and make it into the playoffs most of the world series winning teams from 2000 to till 2020 have been offensive minded with a not a sense of lacking in pitching but lesser pitching you know like look at the angels when they won the world series you know they that pitching wasn't wasn't great you know it wasn't great and even the hitting wasn't great like that's a huge anomaly what the angels did in 2002 there's no I reason mean, we, were, to, we were a wild card team exactly there was no reason for the angels to win the world series that year when you look at them fan, when you look at them in war perspective no reason they shouldn't even really have been a playoff team more than likely but i mean it, it happens and it's baseball but yeah i i, I kind of in a sense one up you i can kind of do the research and see you know it's going to take me a little while and see if rental wise who was on the pitching staff and who they signed but when it comes down to the formula I'd say hitting, hitting, hitting for sure. You need a lot of hitting because I think that helps out. But you need timely pitching as well. You need pitchers that pitch, you know, league average to above league of average for sure. And, you know, that's fantastic. But you definitely need hitting needs to be prioritized over the pitching. And I think that's what the Angels have kind of done in the past. But, you know, it hasn't worked out. And, you know, Fans hate it and all that fun stuff, but yeah, because I'm just picturing like we say that we do somehow make it to the World Series if we sign Paxton or Rizzi, mm-hmm. for example, okay? Yep. And then we make it to the World Series and we face the Mets, okay? Yep. Think about that rotation mac- matchups. So you have exactly. Degrom, Cindergard, and Cookie, top three of the rotation. Who do we have? We have Paxton, Odorizzi, and Bundy. I like, like it just doesn't and, match and without, up. I mean, no, I without like looking it, at that, without, I don't like it in that World Series matchup. It's it's a it's a great matchup. And okay, so I mean, you're looking at it in a healthy Otani and a healthy Degrom. 
I that's that's tough. It really is. I think Otani. I'm not saying Otani's the best pitcher in baseball, but if Otani's healthy, throwing his nine, his you know 80 plus grade fastball, 100 plus miles an hour, spotting up with the good slider and the good splitter, he keeps up with he keeps up with the Grom. He really does. And you look at it on paper. So what's the next matchup? Uh, Bundy against Stroman. Bundy against no. Who would, no, who would Stroman wouldn't be number two. I mean that's fine. Cindergard would be that's, number two. That's fine. Bundy or Cindergard. That's a tough matchup as well. I mean, you look at you look at the upside of Bundy, and you look at I mean a healthy healthy Cindergard. Those are pretty dang close. I mean, we saw what Bundy could do in his you know in a, in what the the short period of time that we had last year in 2020. That's that's a really good matchup as well. So I mean, it, it's it's always it's a it's a series by series thing. It really is when it comes to the playoffs and matchups, you know, because the. That's that's when it gets tough because I think about on, this, pa- on paper think about I think Otani, it's a close. Degrom, Bauer, Cindergard, Bundy, Cookie, and then Heaney, Stroman. Are Heaney, Stroman, dude, that matchup is so much better. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I agree. I do. I agree. That's a, that's a that that matches up better to the Mets, you know. And you can't play for matchups in the playoffs. Like you can't prepare for. I mean, you can prepare, but you can't you know, build for matchups in the playoffs. Like you can't think, oh, no, I know. I oh, mean, the Angels are going to, no, exactly. Comparison. Yeah, I know. I know. To but... try to give some perspective of why I'm saying the things that I'm saying, because you do have to anticipate that if we, you know, yeah. to, to me re- regarding your question, you asked last week or whenever our last show was, you said, you know, would you rather have the best player in baseball and never make it to the playoffs or make it to the playoffs, but have nobody on your team or whatever. I chose best player because in my eyes, there's 29 losing teams a year. And if I don't win the World Series, if we make it to the playoffs, I don't really care. I don't want to make it to the playoffs to lose. I want to make it to the playoffs to win a World Series. And, yeah, I think that Paxton Odorizzi could definitely get us there to win a wild card spot or possibly even division. I'm not questioning that. But you put us up against the top three best National League teams and their rotations, I just don't see it being possible with having those two guys on our in our rotation. I just don't. I think we would get smoked. I think we'd win one game and it would be, you know, an offensive driven game. And I just think that that's how it would be. That's how it would play out. I mean, you could look at the Royals matchups that we played in the division series in 2014. And like baseball just doesn't make sense sometimes. And like it, my question is, is if we've had a top five offense for the last few years, why have we not made it? And it's not like we've had, I mean, we have had kind of bad pitching, but not like, horrible like you look at our rotation you're like oh my god like we have a terrible rotation it hasn't been that bad they just have kind of been underperforming or been plagued by injury and that's you know something i'm I'm scared about paxton with the arm injury that he just had and his age and odorizzi i don't think he's been hurt but i don't know it just uh i mean you want want to answer your question there because you know i we'll get on a fan mail on the next next one you know, we're, we've been talking for a while here, and we'll we'll do fan mail on the next one. But you wanna you wanna answer to your question there of why the Angels, you know, haven't made the playoffs and such like that. It's baseball, you know, it's baseball. There's you can't do anything about that. I mean, it happens everywhere. You know, a, a knowledgeable, you know, knowledgeable baseball person. You know, both of us. You know, even a lot of people in the Angels system or in baseball alone you know they'll tell you it's baseball you know that is what it is the you know i could go out there one day and shove against the angels and then the next day just get absolutely lit nine times out of ten i actually take that back 99 times 99 out of 100 times i'm getting lit up by the angels 100 percent in most most 
college players are probably going to get lit up by the Angels 99 times out of 100, you know. But again, there's that 1% chance that seems to happen more often than we think, and that's it's it's baseball. It is what it is. So before, you know, we get going any further we end this, Brock, do you have any final final thoughts about anything? Uh, no, not really. I, I took a screenshot of our fan questions. We'll get to those next episode. It was just kind of a, a ranty episode just because, you know, I, I haven't fully, I'm determined that I want Bauer for the reasons that I've already explained, but it's, you know, it is tough, but I just, I have to try in my head to think about the somewhat long term of 2022, because I just don't think that we're in a position to really make a solidified push this this upcoming season with the rotation that we have and the money that we have to spend I just don't I don't really find it plausible so I'm trying to be realistic and think about what we can how we can better position ourselves to be successful in 2022 yeah you know and we've talked about that a lot and that ends up being I think I think you're kind of starting to take the side of you know do you want to be better now or do you want to be better in the future and you know, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a tough question. You know, do you want to be the Mets or what they're doing right now? You know, or do you want to be the Indians? You know, the Indians are still going to be good. I think that's probably not the Which best. Which I want to, I want to be the Mets, but we can't. No, you we can't be the Mets. You can't that's be the, the Mets. problem. You don't have, you don't we have what the Mets, the Mets have. Right now. You don't have what the Mets have. You really don't. I mean, yes, you have Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, David Fletcher, Shohei Otani. You have the players to do that, but you're right. You, from a, from a baseball standpoint, you can't, you really cannot do what the Mets are doing and you know we see it not every year but we see it every every so often you know the Padres came up again you know with trades and the Padres could be doing the same thing here I think they're better off I really do but you know the Padres could be doing the same thing here with all with the trades that they've been making and you know they could kind of be a one and done like I said I don't think that's the case but they've done it before in the past when they went and got Kimbrell and Upton and those type of guys so you know I would I like to be the Mets sure you know, only if it guaranteed me a World Series. I want to be good in the future. I want to be like the Dodgers, like the Rays are going to be, like the Padres are going to be, I like mean, the Astros. You think so. about it, future has such a bad label on it because I don't think I picture 2022 as necessarily the future. I think signing Bauer would still be better for the now. I still think he could provide close to what those other two guys can for next season to get us at least sniffing the playoffs and get a taste of it for, you know, the first time in a long time. But, you know... Those teams like the Dodgers that are consistently in the playoffs, they don't build their rotation around rentals to be a consistent playoff winner and potential, you know, World Series sniffer for, you know, seven years straight like they have or however long it's been. They have those, they've had guys at the top consistently that they've been paying big money to, and then they're not even really stressed about the offseason. Like, think about the last time that the Dodgers went out and signed a blockbuster pitcher. They haven't needed to. They haven't. They really haven't needed to. They've signed bets. They've signed offense. They've, they tra- they've they traded filled for in little holes here and there. But like Dodgers, they they they're not even. They don't even need Bauer. If they signed Bauer, they would just be solidifying what they already have. Yeah. So that's just the perspective of like we're like chomping at the bit of even a thought of signing someone like Bauer because of what he could provide. The Dodgers are like, I mean. We don't really need them, but if we got them, we probably win back to back. Like that's that's the position that I want to be put in. That's the position that I want to be winning my division four, five, six seasons in a row, 
and be sniffing World Series almost every year, and you do not get that with rental pitchers. You have to have built long-term pitchers in your rotation to not have to stress about it 24-7 and always have to be going out and spending a crap ton of money every offseason. Like, and I even forgot in that whole Mets scenario to not even include a, tr- a pitcher that we could trade for. So you're potentially looking at a Bauer, Otani, Bundy, Marquez, you know, and the other names. And then that adds a whole nother perspective. Marquez is a top 10 and he's only costing nine mil. Yep. So I, I wouldn't even, I think that's one of the only scenarios I could see happening, which would be a Musgrove or Marquez trade in addition to signing Bauer and maybe, you know, that already would be willing to do that because it would just barely put us over the threshold. Like, I mean, depending on what Bauer gets, but as long as Bauer gets around, you know, 25 to 28 ish, we would be, you know, barely over the threshold that already might be able to bypass that and not really care. And then you're looking at a Bauer, Marquez, Otani, Heaney, Canning. Like, dude, how much better does that sound than Paxton and Orizzi at the top? Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think, you know, there's many ways to get around it. And, you know, we can argue about this all day. Not that we're arguing about it, but we can we can discuss this topic all day. And it's it's been a topic that's been discussed all offseason. It's been a topic that was discussed even in this 2020 season. You know, what do you do this offseason? So, yeah, that is going to be the question. I think, you know... I feel like we've, you know, beat the horse with this, you know, we beat this topic so much, but there's so much that, you know, we can still dive into. Like we, like, I feel like we're finding new points every time we talk about this. So, you know, I, I love talking about this subject. I think it's not oh, going to go anywhere. One more thing. It's yeah. super short. I promise. Yeah, go for it. Another thing that you have to think about is we've pushed very hard for certain free agents in the past, i.e. Garrett Cole. Hmm or other, other players that we've pushed hard for. And due to free agency and player player preference, I'm scared that if we go the two-player route, like a Paxton Odorizzi, what are the chances that we can actually get to sign both of those players? So now, like, and, and on top of that, we're like, okay, well, if we just sign Paxton, then we, then we could just go trade for a Marquez or a Musgrove. Okay, well, what if those trades aren't possible? We don't know what the other teams want. We don't know whether our team wants to give them what they want. So in my head, it's almost, which is, this is kind of a new development in my head that I just thought of. It would be less stressful to just try to get the one guy because who even knows whether you're even going to be able to get multiple guys because there's many things out of the angels control that they won't be able to really determine until they push for it and dude getting even one guy in free agency or for trade is difficult to do and difficult to get all the stars to align but you know we're looking to try to get a paxton and odorizzi and trade for a marquez or trade for a musgrove you're looking for a lot of stars to align towards if we just sign bauer that's just the one target one guy and then if we miss out on him, then we could try to go from there. But we put all of our attention on Bauer, get him. It's like, okay, well, you know, we're strapped. We'll have to wait till next offseason. It is what it is, but it wasn't really going to be much of a difference the other way around. And, you know, it's just difficult to try to picture, like, in a week-long basis. It's like, oh, the Angels signed Odorizzi. Oh, the Angels signed Paxton. 
oh, the Angels signed for Joe or uh, traded for Joe Musgrove. Like, do you, do you really think it's realistic to make all those moves happen in the short term that we have left? Like, I just I see all three of those players going. Well, maybe not Musgrove, but I think Paxton and Odorizzi are going to go to two separate teams. I don't think we're getting them. I don't think they're going to go to the same team either, regardless of who signs them. I just don't. I don't see it happening. I think that they're going to go separate because, like, <laughs> we can't monopolize free agency. And it rarely happens where a team basically goes out and signs, you know, because Paxton and Odorizzi are, you know, in the top 10 at least, maybe even top five of pitchers in the free agency market right now. The teams are eyeballing. So for me to think that we're going to sign two of them is just kind of hard for me to believe. So that's another thought to think about too. Yeah, no, there is definitely a lot of different variables that go into this. And I kind of want to keep that, you know, jot it down, keep it in the back of your head, because I think I want to kind of maybe bring that up a little bit more on our next podcast, along with all the fan questions. I apologize. We did not get to them this time. You know, we start discussing Angels baseball and we just kind of, you know, we keep going and going and going in a sense. And, you know, it's fun. It is, it is what it is, but you know, let's, uh, let's let's kind of see what develops see what happens in the upcoming days so guys we do appreciate so much what you guys are uh helping us out by doing you know following us on instagram you know giving us so many topic ideas emailing us or giving us reviews all that stuff we appreciate it so much you can find myself at jared underscore tims on twitter brock where can we find you bd rocks eight and it looks like my prediction was wrong by the way i predicted last episode that we were going to have bauer signed by today or <laughs> today so i mean there's still time there is there is three o'clock there is and then like i said we i mean we're if you're still listening to this we are recording this on let's see friday it'll probably go out sunday so yeah that is why brock is kind of saying that (laughs) so guys thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day Mm -hmm.